Who is the most underrated actor of all time? It's Dolph Lundgren. Correct. Why? Well, because of his uh, spiky hair, yep. his ice-cold demeanor, and his big muscles. Absolutely. I must break you. Welcome to I Must Break This Podcast. This is the fan podcast celebrating the cinematic career of action legend Dolph Lundgren. Hello and welcome back to I Must Break This Podcast. This is the fan podcast that looks at the films of action legend Dolph Lundgren. I'm your host Sean Malloy and today is another special interview episode in which I had the pleasure of speaking with writer and director Eduardo Rodriguez. But before we get to the conversation, I wanted to remind you all that if you're not subscribing to the show, please do so. Also, please feel free to leave a review for the show, especially those five-star reviews. Those always help. Uh, Also, please check out the Facebook page for the show, I Must Break This Podcast. Go ahead and uh, take a look at the page, like it, share it, and continue spreading the word. Also, it should be mentioned that uh, Dolph Lundgren has two new films that are out. Well, one is currently out. The other is awaiting a release. Uh, But one of the films is Acceleration, which is currently in select theaters as well as available on video on demand. Acceleration, if you've been following the show, uh, we have been fortunate to speak with a couple of the people who have been involved in the production of Acceleration. Um, On one of the previous episodes, we got to speak with Natalie Byrne, who is the film's uh, lead star, as well as uh, the head producer on the film. And we also got to speak with uh, Daniel Zarilli who was one of the directors on the film. So uh, go ahead and take a, take a look. It's a, uh, basically Dolph goes back to playing a villain of sorts, but there's a little bit of a twist there. But he's also paired with an all-star uh, cast of tough guys, including Chuck Liddell, Curtis Rampage, Jackson, uh, Danny Trejo, and many others. Uh, the other film that is currently uh, awaiting a release is Hard Night Fallen. Um, which is going to be hitting DVD on December 10th, courtesy of Lionsgate. So uh, please check that one out. And I should also mention that if you're not able to see Acceleration either in theaters or on demand, uh, that one is actually going to be hitting DVD and Blu-ray on December 17th, and that one's going to be released by Cinedyne. So with that out of the way, now on to today's conversation. Uh, Recently, I had the pleasure of speaking with Eduardo Rodriguez, Eduardo is a talented writer and director who's been working in film since 2002. Eduardo is essentially living his childhood dream, coming from Venezuela and then studying film at Florida State University. It is here where his short film Daughter caught the attention of Hollywood and he's been working steadily ever since. Most of Rodriguez's films are in the horror genre, yet in 2012 he branched out of this genre to deliver two action films for After Dark Films. One of these movies was Stash House, starring Dolph Lundgren. In Stash House, Lundgren took on a villainous role once again, this time as Spectre, a yes-man to a powerful drug syndicate. When a young couple purchases a house that, unbeknownst to them, is actually the location for a large stash of contraband, Spectre terrorizes the couple to reclaim his boss's property. This is the house that we've always dreamed about. And we are getting this place at an absolute steal. I love it. What is that? Oh my god. I think it's heroin. 
What is this? Open this door now, we can all go home. Don't make this worse. Lives aren't the only ones in the line here tonight. In this discussion, Eduardo and I chat his entrance into Hollywood, directing heavies such as Dolph Lundgren and Scott Atkins, and what else is on the horizon for him here in the next year. Eduardo was an absolute treat to speak to, extremely down to earth and open to all questions. Uh, what was truly awesome about speaking with him is how he's essentially still a young fan at heart but one who is seeing his dreams and aspirations come true and getting to see those uh, on the big screen, which is, which is pretty cool. Uh, so, for your listening pleasure, is my conversation with director Eduardo Rodriguez on I Must Break, this podcast. But yeah, no, be, before we get to, uh, before we talk about Stash House, because I have a few questions about that. Yeah. So, if I understand correctly, you are from Venezuela, is that right? Yeah, I'm from Venezuela, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been here in L.A., for almost 20 years now, but uh, yeah, I'm originally from Venezuela. Mm-hmm. When did you uh, When did you come to the states to start making movies? I went to I went to FSU. I went to Florida State. I don't know if you're familiar with that school uh, for uh, for my master's degree in Tallahassee. Um, so uh, that was 1999, and uh, I got out of there in 2001, and then I moved to LA. So I've been I've been here in LA since. What was directing and, you know, being a film director, was that something that you always aspired to, of doing and dreamed of doing? Yeah, always. I mean, since I was a kid, I was playing with the Star Wars. When I was a kid, all the Star Wars uh, action figures, the original ones were were a big thing. So always uh, I had an aim with a camera and always I made my – those were my actors. So I made all my, my movies with uh, with those action figures. And I always went. I didn't know when I was a kid what directing meant or producing or anything. So I always said I wanted to be a producer. And then I realized that uh, that directing was kind of my thing. And when I understood more what that meant and, and what was involved with directing, I I was like, well, this is what I would. That's this is what I always wanted to do. So yeah, since since I was little, that was always kind of my thing. Well, and from what I read about you online, is so. If you could, please tell me a little bit about uh, your short film. You had a short film called Daughter, right? And that was uh, that was shown at various uh, film festivals. It sounds like it was really well received, and that's kind of what um, got you some uh, some major mainstream heat and attention. Is that right? Yeah. That, speaking of surreal, that was pretty surreal. Um, I was at film school, like like I said, back in two thousand one, uh, and the way it used to work, I think it's different now. Uh, but the the way it used to work uh, at FSU, um, it was uh, around 30 people on every class, and out of those 30 people, only five get to direct uh, a thesis film, uh, and that was in 35 millimeter. It was like a big deal. Uh, you have to do a budget. It was almost like making a, your own little uh, movie. And uh, but back in back in 2001. FSU never had done uh, a horror 
film before, a horror short film before. Uh, but that was always my thing. So uh, my my producer were like, "Screw this! This is what we want to do." Um, so we're just gonna pitch this 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 little horror story, and if they like it, great. And if they don't like it, great. This is this is this, their uh, choice. So uh, so we went and, and pitched it, and they really liked it. And actually, that was a big deal because most of the time they always made either uh, comedies or uh, or dramas. So it was fun to make that that little short film um, with all my friends from from film school, and uh, so we were surprised then, and then we were even more surprised because uh, he did really well, like you said, in film festivals all around the world. Went to Cannes. Uh, actually, it was one of the the few times that uh, that a student short film got selected as a professional short film. So we actually. We were in that category at Cannes. It was like a whole, it was crazy. Like, I couldn't even believe it. I was like, man, this is, we really hit the jackpot with this uh, with this short film. So we were all super happy and thrilled with the short film. And um, to take it to the next level, actually, that short film uh, back in the day with the when the Weinsteins uh, used to run uh, Miramax uh, and Dimension Films, uh, they saw the short film, and uh, and Bob Weinstein, uh, who was the head of uh, of Dimension Films, really liked it, and he called me, and he's like, "Oh, uh, you have to come to New York, and we have to meet," and uh, and it was crazy. So it was this thing that started my career. I started uh, making movies here in the U.S. thanks to that to that short film. Yeah, that's what I wanted to, to ask you. Was um, I mean, because I can only imagine. Okay, so. After this short film, you get contracted by Dimension Films, who Dimension Films at the time, I mean, they were, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they were like leading the market in terms of horror cinema, you know, especially the stuff that was going theatrical. Was that, I mean, were you pretty excited? Were you nervous? Were you a combination of the two? A combination, probably more nervous than excited. It was (laughs) funny because at that time, I mean, you have time I can tell you the story of how, how it all went down. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so basically, I was film school. I was making my, my copies of my, uh, we call it a director's reel, but it was basically our show films, the ones that we did at film school. And we were like, oh, this is going to be a director's reel when we go to LA. And uh, so I was making copies of that. And uh, my roommate calls me and he's like, hey, dude, you, you got to get back to the to the apartment because uh, Bob Weinstein just called you and he wants to talk to you. And I didn't know who Bob Weinstein was. I, mean, I knew what Miramax was and I knew the invention, but I didn't know who the Weinsteins were or any of that. Uh, so I was like, oh, man, but I'm busy making copies of my, of my reel. He's like, dude, stop whatever you're doing. Just get, get over here because he's going to call back. So, so I did that. I left whatever I was doing with the, with the copies of the tapes and all that. And uh, I went to the apartment, and that's when he told me uh, about Weinstein was and then the Weinstein brothers and all this stuff. So this guy calls, and he's like, hey, I love your short film. really, really enjoyed it. Um, what um, what are you doing next? And I was like, well, we, we graduated, so I'm planning to, I'm planning to move to L.A. Uh, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe I'll be a PA in L.A. And he's like, well, 
can I um, can I fly you to New York like next week? I was imagine like I don't remember exactly, but imagine he called me on a Wednesday, and he's like, "Can I fly you to New York next Friday?" And I was like, "Sure, I'm not doing anything." So yeah, I don't mind flying to New York, and uh, and he asked me, "Do you have anything besides your cell phone?" And coincidentally. We, my roommate and I, had just finished like two days before that call. Had just finished reading, uh, writing our first uh, feature script. Um, so we haven't even checked spell it at that time. We just we just finished writing it, and so, and so I told him like, "Well, I have this script. I just finished writing the script." So he's like, "Well, send me that because I want to have something else to talk about when you get here to New York." So we went crazy revising the script, like whatever time we have, like three days, and making sure it looked presentable, I guess, like, you know, because we, we didn't know what, really what we were doing besides the film school stuff that we did before. Um, so then he, I fly to New York, and I was so nervous that I threw up three times. I, I threw up at the, the Tallahassee airport. Then I threw up when I got to New York. And then I threw up when I got to Tribeca, which was the the, the building where, where we met, and we had lunch there. And he was super nice. He was really a nice, nice guy, and he asked me about my family, where I was from, what I wanted to do, all this stuff. We talk about the script. We talk about the short. So super nice guy. And uh, and next thing I know, I was flying to back to uh, to L.A., and uh, and I had a, a deal with, with those guys to make a uh, to make a film, so it was. It happened so fast, uh, Sean, that I never really had the time to digest it. It was just like, man, I'm coming, I'm getting out of film school, and now I'm I'm here in LA, and now next year I'm gonna make uh, my first movie. So it was something that I sort of knew what was going on, but it happened so fast that I, it never really. To this day, I, it feels like a, like a dream, you know, like something that happened, and I know it's was there, but it was just something that I never expected to happen in that way, you know. Well, and you've you've directed quite a few films within the uh, within the horror genre. Is this the genre that you have always gravitated to and are the most comfortable filming in? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, since I was a kid, again, I think my first uh, um, introduction to horror was H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. And then I started reading Stephen King. I remember the first Stephen King uh, book that I read was uh, Cujo, the one with the dog that is killing uh, <laughs> the mom trapped in the car. And I couldn't sleep. Like uh, cause I, when I was a kid, I was really like scared of everything. Uh, like when I saw Jaw for the first time, uh, Jaws, uh, I didn't sleep for like a week. So um, I was always scared with, with, with horror movies, but for some reason they're the ones who attracted me. And they were reading Stephen King and H.P. Lovecraft and Poe, like I knew, well, this is this is definitely what I want to what I want to do. Well, and your first like real like horror feature film that you did, and if I, if I say it wrong, uh, please forgive me. Is it Cur- Curandero? Yeah, indeed. Uh, that was actually that was a crazy. Again, like it all happened. It was, everything was so crazy because the script I wrote uh, that Bob Weinstein uh, bought. He actually bought the script that the one I was telling you that my my roommate and I um, wrote. He he bought it and he's like, okay, well this is gonna be your first movie and we're gonna do this. But that 
script fell into uh, what people call development hell, which is basically you just going draft after draft after draft, um, doing revisions of the story of the characters, and writers come and go. And uh, Bob was never happy with the final with the final uh, draft. He always wanted to change something he didn't see. He told me, I don't see the trailer for this movie. I don't see the poster. He was very uh, keen on those kind of things. Like, what's going to be the, the pitch line for this? What's going to be the poster? What's going to be the trailer? So we developed that script for about a year. And um, the next thing I know is he calls me. It was really early. I was here in L.A. He calls me early in the morning. He's like, there's Robert Rodriguez. Um, has this script that he wanted to do for many years. He wrote it many years ago, and um, I'm going to send it to you. Take a look at it, and if you want to do this, we'll start product. We'll start pre-production next week, and um, and that's what happened. I read the script. I really like the journey of the some notes in the script, but in general, I, general, I had the. I really like the journey of the of the main character and. Uh, so I told Bob, yeah, I like this. Uh, if uh, if Robert is, is okay with me doing some some small changes, um, I'm, I'm definitely game to do this script. And that's what happened. And Curandero was my first movie um, that I did with uh, with Bob um, back in 2002. I think that was 2002 when I did Curandero. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you did two films back-to-back with Silver Pictures and After Dark Films, uh, El Gringo and Stash House. And I, I was yeah. curious, how, how did that particular lineup come about? Were those were those pretty much offered to you as part of a package deal, or was it just coincident, completely coincidental that they were coming from the same production house? How did that work out? Um, well, I've been in touch with them because back, again, this is a company that back then they were making a lot of uh, horror movies. They, they had this thing called uh, A eight films to die for every That's year. Right. They'll make eight horror movies that they'll put out in like a little film festival thing. So they'll re- they'll have a, a limited release in theaters and then you'll go uh, to, to DVD. And I don't know if at that time there was, there was Blu-ray, but whatever uh, VOD thing they had. And um, so I've been in conversation for a while Um with them about like making a movie together, making a movie together. And one day, uh, uh, one of the producers there, super nice woman, uh, Lucy Mukherjee, um, she called me and it's like, we still not sure the horror movie thing, but we are opening a new label, which is going to be these action movies. And it's the same, same principle, eight action movies or less. I think it was like five action movies a year. And we're going to package them. And um, and uh, and if you're interested, we have this movie called Stash House. I didn't even know about El Gringo. El Gringo comes later because I'm in post-production in Stash House. And uh, they had the next movie they wanted to make, which was El Gringo. And, and, and they called me and asked me, hey, you want to make another movie with us? And I was like, yeah, of course. And uh, that was El Gringo. So as I was doing pre-production, uh, doing uh, post-production in Stash House, I started doing pre-production in El Gringo. So when you when you signed on to, uh, to direct Stash House, was Dolph Lundgren already attached and lined up for that role, or was it, was it someone else? 
No, he came up. He came up later. Uh, there wasn't. I don't think there was in anybody else. Uh, I think the one of the producers knew him and had worked with him, so he kind of like had had in his head that it was going to be him. But I didn't know that at that time. When I when I signed with um, with the guys at After Dark, uh, it was only the script. Basically, they sent me the script and they say, "If you like this script." Uh, Let's let's make a movie together. Um, so that's how that happened. There was nobody attached at that time. Then we went through casting, uh, names and all that. And that's when Dolph Lundgren came on board uh, because uh, one of the producers uh, knew him and really liked him and worked with him before. Uh, Moshe Diamant is his name. Um, and he's made movies with him before, so he brought him in. Well, the thing that I've always appreciated about the film is how it gives audiences a different kind of Dolph Lundgren. I mean, we've seen him play a villain before. I mean, he plays villains so well. But I feel like in Stash House, he was he was playing a much more methodic and calculating villain. I, I loved, you know, so many of the little traits. Like, you know, he uh, he's answering to someone else. He's more of like a yes man, if you will. Anyway, those are my thoughts on it. <laughs> No, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it was uh, it was definitely a change for him. But I think he was really excited to do uh, that job because, he, like you said, it was something different for him. It wasn't just about being the the muscle guy or like coming and blowing up the house. Uh, he's actually between the two bad guys in that movie. He's the more cerebral one. He's the one who's calculating all the moves while the other guy is a more gung-ho, I'm going to blow up the house and I'm going to kill the kids and all that stuff. So I think one of the things that attracted him to this role was uh, was the fact that he was playing somebody different. He was, he was sort of like a broken uh, a company man who had to do this job so he can get out and get back with his wife. So I think that's, that's one of the main reasons why he... He accepted the role was was exactly that. It was different for him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like like I said, I, I love that about uh, about his villain. I mean, he could have been you know a complete you know static villain, if you will. But the fact that yeah, he had a little bit of backstory. He had a family as well. But I mean, this was a job that he was trying to complete to support his own background. And I think you just exactly. don't get you just don't get those uh, those kind of layers to villains very often in film. You know. Exactly. Yeah. So I think he 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 really wanted to show that he can do something else, that he doesn't have to be always the same uh, back actor. The thing with him is, and you met him in person, his physicality. Even though he's an older guy now, he's still pretty big guy. So uh, it's hard to see him in any other light than the, than the guy who comes in and uh, and and ramps through through walls and, and doors and glass. You know. <laughs> but uh, but he's a human being, and then he's, he's, of course he has many other uh, different uh, layers that, and I think he wanted to show that. What were your impressions of Dolph Lundgren on set? He was super cool. He was super pro. He, he would he would come. He would do his his work. He would do his job. He would, he knew his lines. He wouldn't. Sometimes I've worked with actors who like give you like this is really hard to work with, and they give you a lot of grief and they don't want to be there. He wasn't like that at all. He he really believed in his role and he really really liked everybody that he was working with. He never worked with me before, but he trusted me and uh he was a it was a nice collaboration. It was that it was a collaboration. 
uh, he would come, he would do his job, he would deliver his lines, and uh, never had a problem with him. So, so it was, it was, it was really cool working with him. He wasn't there that much during the movie, uh, during the shoot, because that was, we shot that movie. I mean, that was a pretty tough schedule. I think we had, I don't remember exactly, but I think it was 18 days. Um, so it was a pretty, pretty rough schedule uh, with a lot of scenes and stunts and. Uh, and, uh, and special effects. So um, so we had to move, and we had to move fast. Uh, so he wasn't there that much. I think he was there for a few days uh, for his scenes, and then he was gone. Uh, but the time he was there with us, really, 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 really cool guy. How much of his character did he bring to the role? I mean, because everything that I've heard and read about him is that when he, you know, he sees the character on the page, but when he comes on set, he's going to add like his own little um, eccentricities and his own little quirks to it. Did he do any of that um, with the character? Absolutely, Spectre? yeah, absolutely. Actually, his character on paper, on the, uh, and you probably got to give that to to Moshe, who is the one who who thought about dolls in the first place for this movie. The character on the on the page, he was a more jokey guy he was always cracking jokes and he was like smart smarty type of guy and like i know better than anybody else so it was a very different character the one that the, that the writer uh wrote and the one that the dolls uh brought to life uh so he made it a much more efficient and i guess a cerebral guy who knew exactly what needed to be done to get um to get his to get to his goals so uh it was very different. He definitely brought. He, he definitely created his own his own version of that character. Now it, it seems like the film Stash House. It was filmed all in a single location of a house. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, it was actually because the budget on that thing was tiny. I don't remember. I think it was like two million. Uh, the budget was pretty small. And uh, we actually shot it. It was at an abandoned CVS. Uh, it wasn't oh, cool. even like we couldn't even afford a soundstage. So uh, credit to the to the, the to the designers, um, to the art director, uh, everybody. They turned that CVS into a house. Uh, so that it was all built inside an abandoned. I, I think it was a CVS, but it was a store. It was a big big building. Uh, all uh, empty, and, uh, and they turn into the house. That was uh, basically our soundstage. Does, you know, I'm, I'm curious, does, okay, filming, because if we look at uh, Stash House compared to El Gringo, Stash House was, you know, you had a very, a much smaller set, if you will, um, as opposed to El Gringo. You, you, you were able to cover more ground on that one. With regard to Stash House, having a small, tight, confined set like you did, did that make shooting easier or more difficult? Every movie has its own challenges. I don't think any movies is easier or harder to do. Uh, they're just different. Um, for a Stash House, it was more... The biggest challenge for us is Stash House. It was the, the limited amount of resources and the time. The, the problem with Stash House, it was, it was an ambitious script because it, 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 there's, there was a lot of stuff going on, uh, but we had very little time to suit it. So it was... We had to be very clever about how we shoot things so we could cover them without wasting a lot of time. I think that was the biggest challenge in the stash house. It wasn't so much about the set 
because uh, they did a great, like I said, they did a really good job creating that set, and we have some movable walls, so we have some freedom. But I, I think our biggest enemy on that movie, or our biggest challenge, I don't think we don't have enemies making movies. Uh, it was time because we have very little time to shoot uh, a script, but it was a, uh, it was very ambitious, yeah. Now, what about El Gringo? Was El Gringo, you know, was that restricted to the same kind of 18-day shooting schedule, or were you given a little more time with that one? No, we have more time. We have more budget, and we have more time and more resources. But, okay, so here you go. So that wasn't really our challenge on El Gringo. Our challenge on El Gringo was, uh, so that movie happens, or is supposed to happen in Mexico, but uh, the producers knew a studio in um, in Bulgaria. So we had to shoot Bulgaria for Mexico, and that was then the biggest challenge. So like I said, there's always something different. There's always a new challenge. Every movie is different. So this one was about like, oh, man, how are we going to turn Bulgaria that has nothing to do with Mexico into something that people can believe, okay, well, this is happening in Mexico. So... So that was so that was our challenge on that one. So, yeah, every time there's a new a new surprise, a new new thing that you have to use your uh, your imagination, your creativity, and your resources to pull through. Well, I've always enjoyed El Gringo. I mean, I've always loved both films. But you know, the cool thing is, I remember I remember seeing El Gringo the same weekend as Stash House because yeah, they were they were both released on that same weekend with a bunch of the other After Dark yeah. action films. And I distinctly remember when I saw them, I was like, okay, these two films are directed by the same guy, but they're so wildly different from one another. I'm, I'm assuming that was obviously intentional on your behalf to where you wanted them both to have their own unique flavor and style to them, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a script. Like when you read a script that you enjoy – your 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 brain starts coming up with images and and, and a voice and a style and, and the camera work that you're gonna do and and the color palette and lighting. So yeah, they are very different, but the, the material was also very different. So like you said, Stash House was a, a lot more contained, a lot more claustrophobic. It was just about being in the house and not getting out of the house. Uh, well, Gringo was a much more uh, a bigger, a wider uh, shoot 'em up movie, and he was um, also a lighter uh, tone because Gringo never took itself too seriously. I remember uh, the first scene I worked with my, with my editor, uh, his name is Don Adams, uh, many times now, and uh, I remember when he cut the first uh, scene for Gringo, it was very serious. It was almost like you belong to a drama, and I told him like. No, this is this definitely not a gringo, you know. And uh, he did a great job. And, like he got it like right away. That's why I keep working with him. Like got it right away, and he gave it the right tone. Uh, but if you put both scenes uh, side to side, you'll be like, oh, this is a completely different movie because El Gringo is, 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 is has that that chicken tone that is not never is too serious, you know? So, uh, yeah, both movies are completely different. Uh, so we try to to honor that, for sure. Well, the other thing I love about El Gringo is 
just the constant slow motion that uh, that is used. And there's also this really fun and frenetic score that uh, that you employed as well. I'm just curious, were you? I mean, because as I was watching it, I couldn't help but kind of be reminded of the style of the spaghetti westerns. Was that one of your influences in, uh, yeah. in making El Gringo? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody from the. I think that was the first thing that we were all the same page producers. Uh, all the production designers and the DP, uh, everybody was on the same page. Okay, well, do we have to give it this style because that's what he's asking for. Um, so, yeah, El, El, El Gringo has uh, this score. I mean, probably that's the longest collaboration I've had this far. It's uh, my composer, uh, Luis Escaño. He, he composed... The, the music for, for my short film for Daughter, and we've been working together since. Like, every single project I've made for TV or movies or whatever, he's composed the score. Um, so he did the score for Daughter, he did the score for Stash House, and he did the score for El Gringo and uh, and everything in between. Uh, so he did a, a great job on that movie, too, because he, he, he really adds another layer um, um, to, to El Gringo, to the story. Well, everything that I've heard and read about Mr. Scott Atkins pr- pretty much says the same thing, is that he pr- provides nothing but 110% in every one of his performances and every one of his films. Did you experience that that same kind of dedication from him? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Scott, especially Scott loves all the, the actions. He's like, he's, a, he's not only... Uh, an action uh, fan, like he knows all the movies, but he can do all his own stunts. He's an amazing uh, guy in the, in the sense that like he can do pretty much everything. And that, I think also, uh, just like Dolph felt like uh, uh, Stan Shell gave him a, an opportunity to do something different, I think for Scott, it was the, the same thing was for Scott on uh, on El Gringo, because even though there, there were a lot of action sequences, it wasn't so much about the action this time. It was about his character and, he, and the journey of this man who is uh, uh, an identity. Uh, he's been mistaking his identity for someone else, and he has to go to this crazy town that is really corrupted, and uh, and there's a lot of uh, crazy stuff going on there. So I think he also felt compelled to, to, to make this movie because he also gave him an opportunity. And we talk about this the first time we met. It was one of those movies that gave him a chance to also show not only all the cool stuff that he can do in the action sequences, but also show that he has a lot of potential as an actor and he's a, he's a very charismatic guy. So uh, so that was really good, I think, uh, for him that, that he was able to also tackle that, that angle. One rumbling I, I read, maybe you can hopefully confirm it or not, um, was that... Uh, Scott Atkins hurt his ankle either on set or prior to it, so the film was um, considerably more heavy with gunplay. Was this true? He, I don't, I think it always was from the conception. From again, like I always go back to the material from the script. Uh, it was always all about because again, Scott wasn't the, the there with the script when we first started making the movie. He came later. Uh, so the script had all the gun battles that we had. He had the, his ankle being hurt in a prior in a previous movie, um, 
but it didn't change anything. Again, like like you said, he gives a hundred or two hundred percent on set. So he really, I don't know how much pain he was going through, but he never showed it to us. Uh, we knew that he he hurt his ankle, and we were uh, we, we were careful about that. But it didn't really change this, the script or the story because the, the script was conceived, was written with a guy who he was more like, like I say, it was more of a shoot 'em up movie than uh, than physical fights. Looking at your career, I mean, you've done <laughs> you've, you've done quite a few horror films. You've also done some action films. You know, I imagine there, there has to be a dream project of yours. Is there is there anything like uh, that, that you're hoping to one day? get to uh get to write or direct or anything like that yeah there's there is uh and i i read this script um at least 15 years ago um i can't tell you the title of the script because i don't want anybody to go ahead and make it it hasn't been made before but i do have a a dream project that someday if I, somebody comes and tell and, and asks me hey eduardo here's the money for whatever you want to do I have the script uh, here on my drawer, uh, and it's not a horror movie. It's like a sci-fi. I'm also a big sci-fi uh, fan, uh, so it has a little bit of horror because it's an apocalyptic uh, story, uh, but it's more of a sci-fi story. And yeah, I do have my dream project that I hope to to make someday for sure. Are there any particular actors who you have not gotten to work with yet that you are, are on your list as well of uh, someone that you'd like to direct hopefully one day? Oh, yeah. I mean, that list will go on for, for a long <laughs> time. Uh, but, you know, I work with uh, uh, Gringo. You know, was super nice to work with um, was uh, Christian Slater. He That guy was a pleasure to work with. Uh, he will Tom do again. We only had him because his character is not that that big. On uh, he doesn't have that many scenes throughout this the script. So he, I think we only had him for a couple of days or three days on on set with us. And uh, but that guy was a pleasure to work with. He was a pro. He would bring so much energy to the set. He was never in a bad mood. Uh, he, that guy, I would work with him at any time without even thinking about it twice. So, so that that was a pleasure working with uh, with Christian Slater. So, what else do you currently have uh, lined up? Um, is there anything that you're currently working on, or anything on the horizon that you're at liberty to speak about at all? Yeah, I have a couple of movies. Uh, one I just finished uh, that I wrote. Uh, it's actually based on my short film on, on Daughter. It's called The Darkness of the Road. And actually, uh, next week we have color correction. Uh, we just finished the mix, so we should have a full movie by the by the end of the month. Um, and that one we shot here in L.A. in Lancaster. Uh, it was a night; it was all night shoot, so it, that one was pretty tough um, because everybody. I mean, you, we were working from sunset to sunrise every day uh, for I think that was a twenty 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 day shoot, twenty one day shoot. So uh, that one was also uh, very demanding because, I mean, you, you never get used to it. Just working every night and then you sleep during the day, doesn't matter how many times you do it, you never get used to it. So that was pretty uh, demanding, but uh, but uh, pretty happy with that movie that's coming out. Um, I, will, I don't know when it's coming out because 
I think the, the producers, they want to send it to festivals first. They have their plan. But, uh, but yeah, finishing that movie uh, pretty soon. So uh, looking for the, for the next project to, to make now. How often do you, I mean, how often do you seek out projects? I mean, do, do many of them just come to you or do you actively, you know, go out there looking for the next thing to direct? I mean, how does that work? Both. Uh, I think you have to do both. Uh, sometimes they come to you. Sometimes, um, just to give you an example, uh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't direct the whole movie, but uh, there was. I did reshoots for a movie called The Messengers, um, which was uh, the Pang Brothers directed that movie um, back in. I don't know if you remember one was. Uh, Mm. Uh, I don't remember when that movie was. I think it was like 2007 or something like that. Um, but uh, the way I got that job, that was actually uh, Sam Raimi was producing that movie. And uh, he saw the short film, he saw Daughter, and he really liked me. Uh, he really liked the, 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 the short. And he called me, he was uh, directing Spider-Man 1 at that time. Uh, the first Spider-Man, and he called me to the set because he was shooting. And basically the, the job interview on that one was, do you do, um, do you work with the storyboards? And I told him, like, yeah, I did some storyboards for um, for my short film. I was like, oh, okay, so you, you like doing storyboards. I was like, yeah, because they help you, you know, to everybody see what your vision is and camera angles and all that. I was like, okay, cool. So um, you start tomorrow. Um, you, you, you're going to do this uh, these new scenes for the movie, and um, and that was crazy. That was it. So I talked to him for like five minutes. All he asked about was story, if I like storyboards or not, and I got the job. So uh, they come in many different ways. Sometimes they send you scraps. Sometimes you write, you produce the the, the the material, and they like it and they buy it, and then you make the movie. So I think you have to. If you want to always keep making movies, you have to look everywhere uh, and create your own material, but at the same time, keep you, keep the door open for anything that comes your way. Well, hey, Mr. Rodriguez, this was uh, an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you so much. I know you're extremely busy, um, but it, it means a lot that you uh, were willing to sit down and, and talk with me regarding uh, regarding all of these films. But, so I really do appreciate it. Yeah, no, my pleasure. You're a super cool guy, man. I wish you... All the best with the podcast, and uh, thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. All right. Well, hey, thank you very much. You have a great night, and I will, uh, I'll be in touch with you soon. You too. All right. Take care, Sean. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.